Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in our recent past, we have welcomed the newborn king into the world. We have watched as the shepherds and the angels and the magi all sought to put themselves into the presence of Christ. We do that today as we come together to worship and to celebrate and then seek to do that every day for the rest of our lives. Let's take this journey together. We are so glad you're here. Come on in. Our first reading today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 24, verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua And Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders, he said, wait here for us until we come to you again, for Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel. We are in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. This is the transfiguration of Christ. Listen again with fresh ears. Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, 
Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this week, I want to show you some people that I met. Um, Last week on Wednesday, we had a memorial service for Mary Jane Gaylor. Mary Jane Gaylor, uh, a longtime member of this church, but also served in the Georgia um, House of Representatives from 1976 uh, on. Did a lot of great things for women, children, and in other areas. And so who you see, if you can see, um, to my right, well, to your right there, is uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Cindy Cox Gerard, retired Methodist minister. Many of you know her. She's preached here for us. She is delightful. Uh, she was friends with Mary Jane, so she and I co-officiated that memorial service. And on the full right is Calvin Smyrie, who is um, a former Georgia House representative and uh, came and spoke during that service and brought a resolution that was already uh, um, Proclaimed and and uh, given on the Georgia on the floor of the Georgia House um, uh, uh, on the House of Representatives, and then all the way on the left is uh, Samford Bishop, is who is our U.S. representative, and going back to Congress either this week, I think, maybe next week, uh, and we'll read a similar resolution on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, um, giving thanks for Mary Jane and her service to this state. Um, there were fantastic and interesting people, and I was honored to meet them. So then the next day, there was an event, and I saw some of you there at the Bo Bartlett Center. Actually, that event was Wednesday and Thursday, uh, celebrating artwork of both Bo Bartlett, who's got new information uh, in a, 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 a display or, or an exhibition he calls Earthly Matters, But with him also was Kate Capshaw and her art. Um, Kate Capshaw is uh, a painter, and she does uh, what I think are are brilliant portraits based on homeless youth um, from her in in the Los Angeles area that she sought to bring life to um, and give great detail, and it was exquisite work. Now, Kate Capshaw, if that name sounds familiar to you, She was the lead female in the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, uh, among her other accomplishments. And now she is primarily an artist. And through her relationship with Bo Bartlett, brought her uh, exhibit here and was at the Bartlett Center again Wednesday and Thursday. Um, No tickets. It was open. It was free. How can you beat it? Open, Open bar. Come on, people. What else do you need? So it was nice to be there to see her and get to know her in that sense. And she has a friend that came with her. Michelle Pfeiffer is her name. She is a Hollywood actress, and you know many of the movies that she has been in. Apparently, they are just friends. And so she came to support. And then, if you don't know already who Kate Capshaw is married to, it's Steven Spielberg. Yes, that Steven Spielberg. Was he there? He sure was. Saw all three of them. So I'm going to show you my time spent getting to know some of these friends who were here in little old Columbus, Georgia. So on the left 
is Kate Capshaw, and on the right is the subject of one of one of her paintings. This was a homeless youth who has his own uh, uh, portrait. And so, but just to give you a sense, again, that's her on the left, and one of her subjects on the right. Uh, and there we have the Honorable Reverend Author. Uh, uh, Professor John Van Dorn on the left, standing with the young man and one of his portraits. So I just wanted to give you just a little glimpse. Um, and when you can see it, 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 is, it is striking uh, and it is so beautifully well done. Okay, so this is me and Kate Capshaw. I am on the right as you look. And over me on the left, that little blonde spot back there, that is her, that is our picture together. Um, the side face you see is Michelle Pfeiffer, actress. And that is me with Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> she is behind me on the left. That's her back. And that's the blonde hair that you see. We were hanging out. And there's the man, Steven Spielberg. Uh, yes, and we were that close. We were right there by him. And... Uh, this one I like too. This is him taking a picture or a video. He using his art to take a picture of his wife and her art. Very nice. And then this is Vicky and I with Steven Spielberg. Uh, that is him in the middle uh, in the background. So the thing that I find interesting is that these are famous people and we know them by their works. But what we don't know is who they are. What we don't know anymore now that I was in the same place with them is really what's on the inside, who they are. Now with Kate Capshaw, she shared a little bit of herself through her art. And then again, we know the others from their work in Hollywood movies, um, things like that. But just because we knew them and their work, it doesn't mean that we knew Really, we don't know who they are. The disciples are in the same place with Jesus. We're in chapter 17 of Matthew, and up to this point, they had seen and been with Jesus as he is healing, he is teaching, he is doing miracles, he is calling the seas, breaking the bread for the 5,000 and then some. He is teaching with authority. He is doing all these kinds of things until this point. And then something different happens. The identity, the true identity of Christ is given to these disciples. But before we get up the hill, let's take a step back and remember that in Matthew, the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew is seeking to write to a Jewish audience. He is seeking to establish Jesus as the fulfillment of all of the prophecies, all of the prophets and the law from the Old Testament made manifest in the reality of Christ as prophet, priest, king, Messiah, all those things that we say Jesus is, Matthew is working hard towards a Jewish audience. And so when we get to this point, right before we get to this point, our, our passage begins with six days later, later than what? Jesus had just, in chapter 16, had the conversation with his disciples and Peter, who do you say that I am? John the Baptist, Elijah. 
And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? That's who they say. Who do you say? And Peter nails it on the head and says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah, the son of God. And this is when Jesus lifts up one of Peter's greatest moments. Yes, Peter. And on you, I will establish the church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's when Christ brings the church into being through Peter, the start. And after that, through 16, he tells them right after Peter is praised, we know just the opposite happens. Jesus starts to tell them what has to happen. He's got to suffer. He's got to die. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. You're the Messiah. You, you cannot suffer. You cannot die. And Peter says, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And when he says that, he's not saying, get behind me, little horned, little horned red devil man. Satan also means adversary. You're getting in the work, Peter, of my work, mission, and call, Jesus is saying to him. He's saying, get out of the way. You don't know, but this has to happen. And you have to let it happen. And you need to be ready for it. Peter and the disciples can't get it and they don't get it fully until after the resurrection. And so this is what happens right before. And then the last thing before is Jesus telling people that they need to pick up their cross and walk, pick up their ministry, be the followers, pick up their own cross and walk. So then we break into this moment with Jesus, Peter, and James and John. Those three, just those three, not the rest. And they walk up the mountain with Jesus. And think about the parallels with Moses in the Old Testament. Laz read you some of the similar things that happened to Moses. He too went up a mountain, brought the Ten Commandments down. But because of the golden calf, he got mad, broke them, had to go back up, be in God's presence, and then brought new ones back down. But when he came down, his face shone from being in the presence of God, so much so that he had to wear a veil because he was freaking everybody out. And then the further he was away from God, and with time, that brightness would start to recede, and then he could take the veil off. But every time he went into the presence of God or into the temple, he would come back out and his face was shining again, had to wear his veil. A cloud came down and spoke to Moses. Very similar. So here they are, these three and Jesus, they're on the mountain. And then all of a sudden, he was transfigured before them. What does that mean? His face shone like the sun, Moses. And his clothes became dazzling white. So it wasn't just his face, it was his whole being. Clothes was dazzling white. What does that remind us of? The resurrection. When the angels, depending on which gospel story you read, the angels were there, they either rolled the tomb away or they were inside the tomb or they were there to talk to Mary or the women and to say, he's not here. He did what he told you. He's not here. He has risen. But they too were in dazzling white. And so they are starting to get a pre-resurrection in this moment. Although they don't get it, but we do because we've read ahead to the end. 
So he's dazzling. Then there they are, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. This holy trio huddled up on this mountain with the disciples looking. Why Moses and Elijah? Moses represents the law because he brought the Ten Commandments down and Elijah represents the prophets. So again, Matthew's slant is to continue to try to justify Jesus to his Jewish audience, his crowd that he's writing to. He establishes Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets are being fulfilled right there through Christ in that moment. And it was so good, Peter, as we have often said, Lord, this is amazing. We're going to stay here. Let me make you three dwellings, not even for us, just one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll stay up here, we'll hang out. I want to continue to see what's going on in front of me. And when he had said that, a bright cloud overshadowed and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well. Please listen to him. So just like Moses, who spoke to God through the cloud on a mountain, the same thing is happening to Jesus to be witnessed by the disciples. And just as when Jesus was baptized, it takes us back there too, and the voice came down and said, this is my son, my beloved. Here, Matthew tells us, adds one piece and says, listen to him. Ooh. I've seen you since I spoke with him last in this setting. What I think you need to do now is listen to him. There's a whole sermon there. So when they heard God's voice, they were terrified because that's what you do when you encounter God in such a direct way all the way through the Bible. Angels, Jesus, God. When they come to people, it's quite the sight apparently because everybody cowers and one of the first things they often say is, do not fear. And Jesus came and touched them. Jesus came and touched them. Why don't you just say, you goofballs, get up. It's God. It's working for us. God, it's okay. That's my father. I'm a part of that. But he didn't. He reached out and touched them and get up. Another translated word for that is rise. Rise. Just like when Jesus reached out to Peter who was sinking, who was trying to walk on the water, Jesus reached out, grabbed his hand, and pulled him up. Jesus does the same thing in the moment of their fear of them being overwhelmed by what's coming over them and not knowing how to deal with it, he reaches down and says, get up. Do not be afraid. And that time, then when they got up, the other two were gone and it was just Jesus all there, as if to say they were all contained in him. And as the disciples, overwhelmed, trying to figure out what had just happened. They're coming down the mountain. Jesus says, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So very quickly, friends, what I want us to take with this is, number one, I want us, like the disciples, to spend some time each day in the light of God. Just like Moses His light would fade the longer he stayed away from God. And when he placed himself in God's presence, he would shine again. They saw Jesus shining on and dazzled on that mountain. 
and they too had been in the presence of Christ and now they were being called not to stay there. We know that. We can't live on the mountaintop. We can't isolate ourselves and keep it apart from the world because the world has to see the light of Christ reflected in us. And if we do not descend from the mountain and come back into the valley, then what do we do with those who are suffering and in need? How can we help those in another nation deal with death and loss from an earthquake? If we have isolated ourselves just to spend time because it's safe, it is comfortable, and we are with God, we can't. How do we help the victims of shooting from Friday night here in Columbus, five-year-old to 17-year-old? How can we do that if we are separated, trying to stay on that mountain? We can't. How do we help the injustice? How do we love justice, be kind, and walk humbly with our God if we are isolated and keeping ourselves away and apart from everything else? You can't. And God is saying, you must go. One of the big pictures here is that they are given a little bit of resurrection, a little bit of Easter for what's about to happen to them. There in chapter 17, the crucifixion is coming. And God gives them this look of Christ so that they know who he fully is. This is the Messiah. This is the one he's been telling you. And that will sustain them through going back into the valley to deal with the hardship and the suffering, even though they turn when Jesus is crucified. This is their way that they are given what they need to sustain them in their moment of suffering as they watch moments of Christ's suffering. And so friends, we know we can't stay on the mountaintop that runs against our call to build the kingdom on this earth. So in order to be able to do that, we have to spend time with God just like Moses. Every day, find your own little mountaintop and connect with God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit in any way that you can. That's what these devotions are about. That's what these small groups are about. Or you do your own thing. Find a song, find a book, find a clip, go online, read. The world is filled with opportunities for you to have just a little bit of mountaintop. Refresh your light so that when you are done from that small mountaintop experience, you are reflecting the light of Christ again. And we have been given what we need because we peeked ahead. We know what happens at the resurrection. They did not know. And that must sustain us to know that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are real and they are calling us into the justice that the world seeks to take this light of Christ and reflect it into dark places, into dark-hearted people, and sometimes we are those people into inequality, into hardship, into places of war and death and famine and hatred and violence, all of it. That's one of the reasons we are here. Sunday is a mountaintop. We come together. Our faces should all be beaming with the light and love of Christ after worship. And we go where? Into the world. We don't live in this place. So I invite you to take these six weeks And find time every day to find a little bit of mountaintop so that you can be in the presence of Christ so that when you are done, you refresh, you renew that light of Christ that only you can reflect. And then we are called back into the world to live as a disciple, to love justice, practice kindness, 
and walk humbly with our God. Hallelujah. Amen.